All right, and we're back. Back from the past, which is Lord knows how long ago since we last did our podcast. Uh, but hi, this is uh, Peter and Ian uh, with another episode of uh, The Nova Files. Hi, folks. How are you? We're, we're, they're doing good. The, that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> how are you doing, Peter? How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. You know, life being life. Uh, just trying to get out there and trying to start losing this uh, winter weight. It has not been a fun time, but you know what? Uh, it's been a good time for, for nerds. Like a lot of stuff has been coming out lately. I know, I know. Yeah. So on this week's episode, uh, maybe next week's too, we're going full sci-fi. So we're going to the stars this week. Uh, but before we do that, do you have any, any announcements you want to make? Anything you want to talk about before we get into the main topic? Um, not really new. I'm still working on Codename Hunter issues three and four. That's right. That, that, that issues three and four. Going to be out this summer. I got to get my anchor some of my pages when he's available, of course, because he's got a busy schedule. But issue three is going to be uh, coming out fairly soon. I'm going to make an announcement about that. And for my Batman Enigma fans, issue three is coming along very well. I'm also writing the audio drama for that. That's going to come out soon. I'm going to get an announcement on that on my own uh, channels. But yeah, that's what's happening right now. That's great. On my end, you know, I'm still working on my projects. Issue four of uh, Zenith Nights is almost ready. Uh, it's, been, it's been a trek, but we're almost there. And we're also uh, doing some special stuff. We're going to be adding two pages to issue one, some cleanup work. And down the road, we're going to be releasing it as a nice, beautiful collection. Excellent. All right. So why don't we get talking? So uh, today is April 23rd. And this week, we had two. <laughs> I never thought I'd see it like a Star Wars show and a Star Trek show ending their seasons on the exact same week. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, what a world. And it's like both of them, it's like their season threes, their season three finales, maybe even series finales. And uh, this has been a heck of a season for both shows. I know. I know. Uh, Anyway, let's get to it. Let's get to it. So why don't we start with uh, The Mandalorian? Be my guest. All right. So overall, I really enjoyed this season of The Mandalorian. I've seen a lot of people give it a lot of shit uh, for various reasons between like, oh, well, we had uh, Lizzo and Jack Black cameo in an episode. And I'm just like, who gives a shit? It didn't bother me whatsoever. I know. It, it, it just feels like it's a lot of those fandom menace people who just like look for anything to be like, oh, ruins my immersion. Bad. It just felt so silly. Like they, they played their roles fine. They were there to be over the top characters, and that's what they were. Yeah. But aside from that, like I will say, season three of The Mandalorian did feel like, well, we got some setup to do. We got a canceled show that we were going to be tying into, but we can't anymore. So, what can we use from that? What can't we use from that? And it's also feeling like the Mandalorian is not going to be more about all the Mandalorians, not just Din. Yeah. But still, I really enjoyed the season. 
I, I, what's always great about Star Wars was always the journey for the characters, you know? Look where uh, our characters started in season one compared to where they are now in season three. It was always about the journey for me. And I really enjoyed this season in particular because we get to find out more about Mandalore, you know, especially trying to reclaim Mandalore. Mm-hmm. No, and, that was a, a good uh, a good to- a good uh, plot for the season. It's like, yeah, the Mandalorians are wanting to retake their home. They're not gonna be living as uh, mercs for the rest of their lives. Yeah, it was very important to show that. And it, it was just exciting. There was not one real dull moment in the season. No, I agree. Uh, I'm just like thinking back to it. So like it starts off with like, you know, Din wanting to join Bo-Katan because he's got to go to the waters of Mandalore and uh, do his uh, re-baptism. He's got to be a born-again Christian, right? Yeah. Uh and then realizing, okay, well, she's uh, basically gone full uh, wine mom and like, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Like, she's like completely defeated, like completely like, nope, I'm done. Fuck, fuck all y'all. <laughs> That's an accurate way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, my kids left me. Everybody left me. They took the car. <laughs> All, all I got is the fucking droid in this castle. Oh my god. But uh yeah, and then they start building, like, okay, we're trying to get IG 11 back because that's because you know Din still has the thing with droids. Yeah. And then like that other droid got a redemption arc this season. <laughs> I didn't expect it to happen if I'm being honest. Like, talk about, like, oh, yeah, this droid has a faulty regulator. Yeah, his destiny is to save Mandalore. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but, yeah, and uh, just seeing, like, how it progressed, you know, exploring Mandalore, exploring the different Mandalore factions, and, you know, br- basically getting Bo-Katan out of her funk. Yeah. And... You know, let's be honest, man. Like, there's a lot of like, I hate to say it like this. There's quite a bit of sexism when it comes to some of the fan base with um, with Star Wars. In the sense that, like, you can't have a female character do something without somebody saying, like, "Oh, she's a Mary Sue." I, I I'm getting sick of that. I'm getting sick of this. I really am because you know, these are very well written with uh, female characters. They really are. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, some of the fans are nitpicking it, that was like, oh, come on. Seriously. I, yeah, I agree. Like, here's the thing. You can't give me that shit for Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan's been around for, like, ages. She started off in the Clone Wars. She was then in uh, Rebels. And she was always a pretty good character. Bo-Katan's entire story is nothing but fucking up things. Yeah. Like, her entire story is that she keeps failing. To the point where she's learning from all of her failures. That is called growth, people. Yeah. And she was never like the most badass. She's as good as any other Mandalorian. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, even looking at Ray, Ray has her problems, 
But Ray was also filled with like, she kept fucking up. Like all of Ray's decisions always ended badly. It's just she never got consequences for it. That's the difference. Yeah. Like Ray never was in a position where she could suffer the consequences of her actions. Bo-Katan, yes. Bo-Katan has suffered the consequences of her actions. Now, having Bo-Katan, being a, a Rebels fan and like a Clone Wars fan, seeing Bo-Katan take more of a center stage was a lot of fun for me. Yeah, this, it was. Yeah, this is a character I know. And the idea is that Din's character arc is more or less done. Yeah, I, I you get that sense, especially towards uh, the, the last episode. You're like, yeah, I think he's got as far as he could go. Maybe there's something going yeah, even further, but I think that's it. Yeah, because you got to remember who Din is. Din is a, just a bounty hunter who adopted a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Din doesn't have any illusions to rule. He doesn't have any illusions to unite Mandalore. He's a soldier and a follower. He's not a leader. And that's the thing, like, a lot of people, like, Din's character arc was more or less completed. Yeah. And Bo-Katan acts as a new audience surrogate in that she's being introduced to the children of the Watch and how they do things, everything. She's the character we start revolving around, so we have a audience entry point. Yeah. Like, through her, we're seeing, like, oh, yeah, okay, this is how the children of the Watch operate. This is how they do things. This is how they act. And you know, Din's like the type of person who sees uh, who, what a leader is and follows both. But, you know, doesn't mean Din's like incompetent or anything. That guy is pretty badass. Yes. Okay. Can we talk about the the hallway fight in the last episode? That was intense. That was so intense. Between me and you, and a lot of people have been making this comparison, that felt right out of Jedi Fallen Order. You know something? You're absolutely right. That you're absolutely right because it didn't feel that. It didn't feel like that. Yeah, it's like it felt like very video gamey. Okay, I beat the first wave of enemies. Take it down. Have, yeah, Second wave. Upgrade my weapons. Third wave. Upgrade again. <laughs> okay. it, it's very video gamey, but like I, story wise, I understand as well why it worked the way it did. Yeah. But it's just it's just hilarious. And yo, but I'm gonna be honest, like this season has a lot of memorable fight scenes for me. Like that cyborg thing on Mandalore. Yeah. What the fuck was that? Dude, I was just glued to the screen. Just glued to it. I was like, really? Is this really happening? Okay. I'm going to put my theory time glasses on for a second here. Go ahead, go ahead. All right, so spoiler warning, obviously. We yeah. find out that Moth Gideon has been experimenting with cloning. Mm-hmm. And he's made a base on Mandalore. Now, Moth Gideon had to be one of the best things this season. Because that guy just chews the scenery every time he's on screen. I know. Like, my favorite line was like, yes, the Jedi... The Mandalorians, the Empire have all contributed something, and I will take it and make it better by putting me in it. <laughs> I heard that line, and I'm like, you magnificent bastard. You are chewing the scenery so bad, and I love it. 
Like all he needs is a mustache to twirl. Yes, or even just a white, just a white cat, you know, just a pet, the pet. Because it was oh like, my God, yes. it's that Blofeld uh, vibes to it. I know, I loved it so much. It was so good, it was so good. It was the best. But uh, on that topic, uh, we know that Moff Gideon was experimenting with cloning himself. Yeah. And he made several versions. This chop shop creature, what if that was one of his failed clones? You know, I think that's very possible because, you know, you can't perfect that type of science. And I'm pretty sure and he's gone through experiment after experiment. So it's very possible that he, that is a very failed experiment. Yeah. It could be a very early version of one of his experiments. And yeah. that's what fascinates me. It's, it's very interesting to see uh, how they would go through with it, what they would do with it. But yeah, no, I, uh, that, that like body horror part of it was like fascinating what they did and how they did it. Yeah. And like good use of the dark saber. That's always fun to see. I kind of want one now. <laughs> yeah, too bad it got uh, wrecked at the end. I know, I know. But, you know, it's one of those things like I feel like it's for the best that it got messed up like that. Yeah. Like, how do I put this? It feels like the Darksaber kind of has been holding Mandalore back. Yeah, I, I do. I do see what you mean because, you know, it was part of, you know, their way for so many, so long. Now that it's, you know, out of the way, really destroyed, you're like, well, maybe we could be our own, our own people again. We don't have to follow this type of philosophy. And it's not just that. It's also the uh, blatant stupidity of, um, how do I put this? Yes, I challenge you for leadership of all of Mandalore by trial by combat and taking a sword from you. Oh, God. That's how you get people like Darth Maul in charge. Yeah. Oh, God. It's like, that, that's how you get Sith in charge of the Mandalorians. It's is dumb. It's dumb. Yeah. Sorry, but, sorry. yeah, you know, having it no longer be part of their leadership and the other interesting thing would be as well in that um how do i put this it also gives the idea of like well the city dark saber is gone but the kyber crystal is probably still there it could probably be recovered and we have grogu mm. and uh grogu's connection to the uh the mythosaur which we haven't mentioned yet. Yes. Okay. What did you think when you saw that thing, the Mythosaur? What the hell? That was my exact uh, words. What the hell? <laughs> Talk about like a, a tease from season one coming back in a way you didn't expect. Yeah. It's like, you know, going into the final episode, it seems like everyone had like five million and one theories on what was going to happen. Oh, the Mythosaur is going to come. Oh, this is going to happen. Oh, there's a traitor who's going to be revealed. Oh, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. It's like, 
Now, man, it's going to be a straight up slugfest. <laughs> and nothing wrong with that, obviously. No, uh, who doesn't want a good slugfest, especially at the end of uh, the season? Mm-hmm. But it was a question of like, I feel that this season, especially going towards the end, there were so many like red herrings, yes and no, in that the fan base and the YouTubers and everyone was making five million and one theories about everything. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, there's definitely a traitor. It's probably the armorer or this guy. So we could expect this and I expect this. And maybe Moth Gideon is like a follower of Darth Maul or maybe this person's a follower of Darth Maul. There's so much imagery. It's like, (laughs) take it down a notch, take it down a notch. Yeah, that's what I love about the series like this because the fans get a chance to guess at what's going to happen towards the end of the series. You know, I always love that. I always love the theories and also like the fact that a lot of them, yes, were wrong, but it's still good that you guys actually thought this was going to happen. Oh, but, for sure. But there's there's always there's always a small chance that one of them gets it right and that rarely happens, but when it does, it's it's just it's good because you're like, okay, you know exactly where they're going right from the get-go. Oh, exactly. But I think what happened because of that was everyone had their expectations here. And the, yeah. what, what, what we got was really good. Yeah. But it wasn't all the way to what they were expecting. They were expecting something more complex, so to say, while what we had was more straightforward. Yeah. And I think that kind of... Uh, lowered some people's enjoyment of the season finale yeah but i think at some point you know you kind of you kind of have have to have a straightforward type of uh way of doing the story because we have to get to the point we can't drag it out any further oh for sure but you know now that the season three of the mandalorian is over like i will say this though like looking back some of the things i remember the most amazing space combat yes some great jet uh, jetpack combat. Yes. Because they definitely fly now. Oh, yeah. Uh, great fight scenes, like, overall. Like, uh, the fight between... Uh, the fight in the last episode, it's like with Moth Gideon with the Praetorian Guards, Paz Vizsla uh, taking back the city. It's like, all the action scenes this season are very memorable, I find. Yeah, I have to really commend the stunt team, the the storyboard people, the directors, obviously, you know, just to come up with these great ideas for the action scenes. Oh, in, indubitably, indubitably. But uh, overall, like the season was great. I don't think it's as good as some of the previous seasons. I think those were a little stronger. Yeah. But aside from that, very solid season, very enjoyable. Uh, I don't know if this will be the 100% end of The Mandalorian, so to speak, or if it'll continue in some other way, shape, or form. Like I'm hearing uh, talks of a season four. Uh, I'm hearing talks of, um, originally Mando was supposed to uh, cameo in uh, Skeleton Crew from what I was hearing, but apparently that's not gonna happen because they wanted to, um, well, essentially what they're doing is they're trying to save money on Skeleton Crew so they could put more money into the Acolyte. 
Yeah. So what they try to do is they try to take Pedro Pascal and turn him into a voice and credit him as a voice actor mm -hmm. instead as an actual person on set. Yeah. So to decrease his pay and like because of that, they might take out the, the Mandalorian cameos. Oh, well, it's very possible. Yeah. Uh, which does not make things look good for the acolyte, that's for sure. No, I, I've been hearing some very troubling things about that. I know it got renewed for season two. But What's the story behind the Acolyte? I'm trying to remember. Um, if I remember, I haven't seen the series. Um, if I remember correctly, it's about one of the characters from Rogue One. Diego, Lu Diego Luna's uh, character. Okay. Yeah, how he gets involved with the rebellion. I was like, yeah, this is fine. This is fine. But I kind of want to see other Star Wars stories that do take place during the events of Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Like, actually, I'm kind of sick of uh, everything between episodes three and four. Yeah. Like, we've explored that part of the timeline to fucking death. Like, how many more, like, uh, Jedi survivors are there going to be that eventually get killed by Darth Vader? So many. So many. Yeah, because uh, right now we got Cal Kestis, we got Ezra Bridger, who yeah. are still out there, possibly. Uh, which I'm really looking forward to that new, the new Jedi Fallen Order game. I'm definitely going to pick that up when it comes out. I have to get that, uh, but the problem is it's not PS5. Like, do I really want to upgrade? I don't know yet. It's a PS5 exclusive. Yeah, it's PS5 exclusive. I actually learned that. It's on PS4. Benefits of being on Xbox, because everything on Xbox One is compatible on Xbox Series X because it's just the same system, more or less. Yeah, damn it. Yeah. And more than likely, I think I'll just upgrade my uh, <laughs> my Xbox Live Game Pass to Ultimate, and I should get the game for free. Okay, sidebar, I think what Xbox is doing is like the smartest fucking thing in that you pay more a month and you have access to a huge library of games for free yeah. as long as you're paying the monthly fee. It's like renting. Yeah, exactly. exactly. We, don't, we, don't, we can't rent video games anymore. And between me and you, I love Jedi Fallen Order. But that's not a game I would play 500 times. So just like, hey, cool, I upgraded and I had access to these games. So that was perfect for me, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, overall, uh, I'm definitely, definitely looking forward to Ahsoka later this year. Yeah, it looks great. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm a huge Rebels fan. So seeing that crew come back for the Ahsoka series... Oh yeah, that looks good. Did, did you, sorry. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, you, you go first. Especially Tron. I can't wait to see that. I can't wait to see him in live action. Yeah, apparently they're it's the same actor who played him in Rebels. See, that's what I like. I like that. Yeah, no, it's great. Like it's such synergy. Like, same thing with. Bo-Katan played her character back in uh, Star Wars Rebels and yeah. uh, Clone Wars. I think the only character who's not who didn't come back were Sabine and Ahsoka, but that's yeah. because their actual actors look incredibly different from um, 
yeah. their characters. All right, so I think that's uh, that, that should sum up our Star Wars part of the conversation. Yes. So we'll take a quick break and let's get on to talking about Picard. Absolutely. All right. Okay, so I'm gonna end the recording here.